and inmate at the Virginia Department of Corrections, Red Onion State Prison. To accept this call, press zero. This is Red Onion Randy, and I'm going to continue my story of my time in prison. I hope you enjoy listening to me. And as always, if you have any feedback, please go to my website, redonyourrandy.com, and let me know what you're thinking. Uh, the last time I left you, I was, I had been released from solitary confinement after five and a half years. And I'm, I'm currently being transferred in 2006, the beginning of 2006, down to Sussex 1, which is closer to Richmond. It's no longer in the mountains, and it's a lower-level prison. Uh, at the time, Red Onion was a level 6 supermax penitentiary, and Sussex 1 is a level 5 population uh, prison, and that's where they house the death row inmates and so on and so forth. When I get down there, nothing really monumental happens per se. Um, you know, I go down there, I'm in the cell with another guy. Uh, he winds up getting locked up. And I'm in the cell with this other guy named Kool-Aid, I believe his name. Well, I think that was his nickname. Um, me and him, we, we somewhat got along, but we didn't particularly care for one another. So he did his thing, I did my thing. Um, but the thing about it, at that time, I can't remember who the warden was. Uh, I can't remember her name for nothing, but she was horrible. I mean, she, man, she was not a good person at all. I mean, and that's a convicted murderer saying this. That should tell you something. And, I mean, we hardly ever got wrecked. I mean, she allowed her officers to keep us on lockdown all the time for any reason whatsoever. We never went outside. The few times we would go to the chow hall, but that was very rare. And the food... While it tasted good, I will say that the food tasted great down there. But it was so little, and at the time, I didn't have no money. I didn't have no support. I, I, I couldn't get a job. You know, I had nothing. I mean, I lost 30-some pounds, and I wasn't working out or nothing, and I was only there for like four months total. On April 28th of 2006, I had had enough of the place. I hated it so much. And I was in such a bad headspace. I was, I was still angry. You know, I hadn't had my awakening yet, as I call it. God hasn't called me. I, I haven't realized who and what I was deep inside, you know, and there was no, there, there was just nothing. There was just nothing but blackness in my life. 
I remember sitting there, and there was this child molester in the cell next door to him. And I didn't like him. He, you know, he would he would brag if he saw any if he saw anybody do anything. He would go straight to the lieutenant's office and snitch on you. You could just get the sense from him that he was just waiting to go home. He was just waiting to strike again, to shatter some little kid's life. And I've briefly mentioned before, I was molested as a child. I was in a group home, and I'll save that story for an entire episode uh, upcoming. But it, it just it bothered me, that sense that I got from him, the fact that he would do that, and the fact that he had no remorse. He, he, he didn't care. He doesn't care. Well, hell, I don't care neither. And when I don't care, people tend to get hurt. People tend to wind up in the hospital. And I came out, and I, there was things that I had that I knew I couldn't, you know, take the stag with me. So I went out. I gave them to a couple of dudes that I somewhat liked because there was really nobody there that I gave a damn about. And I walked up behind him. And the same thing, I palmed his face with my left hand, I put my right knee in his back, I stretched his neck backwards, and I slid him from ear to ear. But this time, I didn't make a knife. I just took the razor, broke the handle off of it, and I took a lighter and I melted the plastic off a of half of the razor blade. So I still had a small half in my hand, and just the razor blade sticking out of the plastic at the top. And, well, it didn't break on me. And I cut him, and I cut him pretty good. And he grabbed his throat, you know, with blood streaming through his fingers, and I just commenced beating the hell out of him. I... I, I have no idea how many times I punched him in the face, but I beat him down to his knees. And then when the CO started to respond and they started shooting the guns, I went ahead and I dropped the razor blade and I backed up. I let them cuff me and I let them, you know, they had to take me to medical, make sure I was all right, which I was because nothing had happened to me. Then they put me in segregation. And I... You don't put your hands on a child for any reason. There, there is just there is no reason on earth why a person should put their hands on a child, much less sexually assault them and violate them in that manner. And I hope, I hope that God, that every time that boy sees his damn throat, that he remembers there's somebody in prison who will slit it for him. And that he doesn't want to come back here and he leaves kids alone. That's the only thing good that probably came from that whole situation is maybe, just maybe, I changed his mind about his actions and his fetishes. And the thing is this, I'm not proud of what I did. 
I know a lot of people say I should be or they would be or I did the right thing, but the fact of the matter is I didn't. Because it's not my place to judge someone. And I do regret what I did to them. I do regret that I let my own personal problems affect his life. So a couple of months later, I was transferred back to Red Onion State Prison. And honestly, I was glad to be back. I, I wasn't glad to be back in segregation, you know, solitary. Um, but when I first got back up here, I was... I was glad to be back. I mean, Sussex Warren is the worst prison I've ever been to, bar none. You know, at least up here, I, I'd been here for so long. You know, I, I, I knew so many COs, and I knew some inmates, and, you know, so I was comfortable up here. Um, but at the same time, I, I was I was miserable. You know, I didn't know who I was, much less who I wanted to be. And all I could think about was my childhood. All I could think about was my life. You know, and what led me to this point? What led me to constantly making the, the, these choices to be so violent? It's, it's hard to put in words when you don't have the words to put them in. When you're in this cell and you're trapped in here, all it leaves room for is, is, is time to think. That's all you have in here is time to think. Now, there's only three things or three ways of thinking when you're in solitary. The first way is you constantly focus on your anger. You constantly focus on your lack, on what you don't have, on how people have wronged you. And that just, that makes you worse. That, that makes you more violent, more angry, and eventually, if you stay back here too long, it's going to drive you insane. And it has happened. You have one minute remaining. To hundreds of people up here. The second way of thinking is you just lose yourself in daydreams. What you going to do when you get to the street, this girl, blah, blah, blah. And the third way of thinking is start looking deeper into yourself. You, you start finding out who and what you really are. Uh, unfortunately, we're out of time. This is Red Onion Randy. Uh, I hope you enjoyed listening to me. Please check out my website, redonionrandy.com. Take care and stay safe till next time. Thank you for using GTL.